0: welcome to the universe of trusting divinity hosted by yours truly wendy Vondam, aka ms divinity here at trusting divinity we explore how to do life in the messy middle may you put down perfection and be clothed in the grace of christ as you open your heart and mind to a life of possibility one that you love beyond your wildest dreams. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. Hey there, my gorgeous friend. My heart hopes that during this holiday season, you were able to at least for a moment discover the peace that passes understanding as you allowed your heart to rest in Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Trusting Divinity. A sacred and holy space of love and acceptance for whatever your current messy middle is. A place of soul rejuvenation, of basking and resting in Jesus. A place of learning and growing together in grace. This week, as promised, special guest Adam Miller and I wrap up our discussion on his newest book, Original Grace. I cannot think of a better way to tie a bow on the year 2022 and prepare to move into the new year. In case you don't know yet who Adam Miller is, here is a quick introduction. Adam is a professor of philosophy at Collin College in McKinney, Texas. He earned a BA in comparative literature from BYU and an MA and PhD in philosophy from Villanova University. He is the author of more than 10 books, including Letters to a Young Mormon, An Early Resurrection, and Original Grace. He and his wife, Gwen, have three children. Our discussion today begins with a deep dive into what Adam calls everyone's favorite chapter, chapter 8, Our Nothingness. In this chapter, he proposes two incredibly thought-provoking questions. First, if grace is original, why do I sin? Second, what motivates me to mistake myself for someone who doesn't exist? Let's go ahead and dive into this conversation that is sure to invite you to change your perspective altogether and see the sinner differently.
1: Um, So this is interesting. Chapter eight, you talk about our nothingness and Mm. how did this (laughs) play a crucial role. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And you have some really thought-provoking questions that you present, I believe, at the beginning of this chapter. And the question is, if grace is original, then why do I sin? And what motivates me to mistake myself for someone who doesn't exist? It's pretty deep.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's like I'm a philosopher,
1: yeah. Uh, something like that. <laughs> but what you're trying to do is help us, right? See the sinner differently, um, and and you redefine a sinner as those who have abandoned God and are trying to save themselves. Yeah. Which I don't. I I think it's the natural self in us, right? I think yeah. we can all relate to this experience. Um, we're continually mistaking ourselves for someone who doesn't exist. With oscillating fervor, we mistake ourselves for a loser who deserves to suffer or a winner who deserves to be loved. We misread the world and misread everything in terms of what's deserved. Um, So what would you say is your definition of God? If God is not a punisher, then who is God?
2: Maybe something like God, God is the one who, of all of us, is successfully, unconditionally committed to fulfilling his own law, no matter what it costs him. Whether it costs him his own life or his son's life or, or the whole of everything that he has. Right? He's the one who's unconditionally and successfully unconditionally committed to always loving and giving, not only to his friends, but to his enemies. He's right. He's the one who sees, uh, as I say in that chapter, that uh, life cannot be won. It can only be loved. Uh, And he's the one who sees that trying to win it will always keep us from loving it. You have to choose one or the other.
1: Yeah, I love love that line, that life cannot be won. It can only be loved. And if we can just put down the battle, put down the fight of trying to win something and just show up to be present for God's current perfection, right? Like, what if we could just see this world as already, I know it's really messy. I know it's hard to believe that messy is perfect, but I know in my own life, it's in those moments, it's in the really messy moments that God opens up really beautiful moments of his perfection and teaches me so much about who he is and how he loves.
2: Yeah, I think the only thing harder to believe than that all this messiness is in some way perfect, the only thing harder to believe than that would be that perfection excludes all this messiness. Because what, what would be left? What would be left of any of us? What would be left of who we are, of our relationships with other people, of the world to which we belong? Nothing would be left. Perfection would exclude all of us by definition. That's the only thing worse, I think. Uh, yeah. Though it is hard it is hard to believe the first, uh, the second's even worse.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for bringing that up. That's a beautiful point. Um, I, I think that for me in my own life, and I don't know how you do this in your own world, I'm actually in the midst of it, like right now in this moment. I talked to you about this before we started the recording, but I have this belief that God is always for me, always for me. Um, sometimes I hold to that belief more firmly than other times, but my whole life has kind of been this journey of learning how to trust his plans and knowing that those plans are way better than anything that I could plan myself. Um, and there's been lots of times when I've had to let go of what I wanted in order to receive his perfection and his plan that is always better than mine. Um, but right now, right. I'm in the midst of, My husband went to work this morning. We've got plans. We're supposed to be on an airplane in two weeks for the perfect family getaway, a month in Mexico, warm, sunny beaches, no family drama for Christmas. Like it's not even possible because we won't be there, right? Like I have this idea of what I wanted my perfect Christmas to be. And this morning, my husband went to work and his boss said, you can't go, And we said, huh, what? You aren't like, we asked you if we could go before we ever bought the tickets because we knew that it was a big ask. And we're kind of in the middle of a mess right now. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what the outcome is going to be. But I know that I'm so grateful for my core belief of God is always for me. And I know there's $2,000 that's not refundable. And I know that it's potentially not going to be what I hoped. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I don't know yet how God is going to work out the details, but I am grateful that I have this belief that God is for me. Um, and I'm in this moment trying to stay open to all the possibilities, right? Because my husband said, well, maybe I don't know how I feel about you taking our daughter by yourself. And I'm, and my first reaction was, no, I'm not doing that. That's stupid. She's right? staying here and with I'm you.
2: <laughs> I'm going by myself.
1: Zo. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but can I be open to maybe she and I need to have an experience to go and bond and be together? Can I can I just be open to possibilities? And instead of shutting things down in the midst of this kind of messy middle, can I be open to God's grace? Can I be open to any and all possibilities and not saying, well, it's not the way I wanted it. So This is how it has to be. Can I, this is always my question. How do you stay, keep your heart open and soft and malleable in the midst of, it feels like everything's falling apart. And mine, like this is minuscule. It's a vacation, right? Like it's a hope and it's a dream and it's good. But even more so, I have a dear friend who's in the middle of a really messy divorce Or I have a family who's in the middle of a cancer diagnosis that was very unexpected and really hard. And a few days later, the wife got in a car accident and you kind of just want to throw your hands to heaven and say, come on, where are you? And so in the midst of the messiness, what would be your advice to keeping your heart and your mind open to God's grace instead of shutting down and feeling like man i'm being punished or maybe god doesn't love me or like all those places that our minds go how do we remain open and trusting that god is fully aware of the mess in the tiny details and working things out for our good
2: it's i think a great description of just what faith itself is, to say that you trust that God is for you. That's what it means to believe in God, right? This is what it means to have faith in Jesus Christ. It's not a kind of abstract belief in the fact that somewhere out there in the universe, a God exists, right? That has very little to do, I think, with actual faith in Jesus Christ. To have faith in Jesus Christ means that I believe, I trust that he is for me. Right? And if I don't believe that he is for me, always, unconditionally, even if what I need is hard things from him, uh, then I don't actually have faith in him, Right, regardless of whether or not I think a being exists out there somewhere in the universe or not. How to do that on the ground? Right, Again, I think in a very practical way, from the moment I get up in the morning until the moment I go to bed at night, the work of being a Christian is to continually, hour by hour, minute by minute, second by second, forgive the world for being what it is, and forgive the world for needing from me then what it needs. Right? It's easy. It's it's not only easy, it's inevitable to feel like the world is our enemy. Right. It it because it is at the very least the enemy to our desires, our wishes, our expectations, because the world is not going to match up. With my desires and wishes and expectations and as long as i expect it to it will feel like the world is my enemy and i won't be able to see the good that the world is because all i can see is the good that it isn't that i wanted right if i can let go of my expectations for the good that i wanted then i can on the one hand see what good the world is Right? i can see the good that's inherent in every situation no matter how messy and complicated And I can see simultaneously with clear eyes, with even clearer eyes, what good is still needed in that situation, right? And I can feel the imperative to give it, to be involved in offering it. Uh, And both of those things, I think, are, are at the heart of what it looks like to try to live as a Christian, to continually forgive the world for what it is and thus see what good it is. And to, forgive, and to continually forgive it for needing what it, it needs from me, uh, even though that might be hard to give.
1: Yeah, it can be so hard. <laughs> very, it's middle. very hard. <laughs> Hence the messy middle. Oh, man. Um, so in chapter 11, you talk about time. And I know we kind of skipped over. You talk about creation and that, that creation is continually happening. And I think we touched on this a little bit earlier. I can't remember exactly where in our discussion, but um, I remember my coach used to say to me, creation is complete. Like creation mm-hmm. is already complete. And technically, even before God organized the world, creation was complete, right? He just brought the, the elements together and organized something that already existed it's not like he created something out of nothing um and so as we step into understanding that god is continually creating and recreating you're trying to help us see that there's a reason god says you're you have a new start every single day because creation starts again right now in this moment and we are free to choose what we want to co-create with god Um, in chapter 11, you're talking about time and time is such an interesting thing, right? I don't know how it works for Mm. God, but I'm reading a little bit from Neil Maxwell right now and I'm like, Whoa. (laughs) Um, but so often in our mortal state, we're running from now. We're trying to get somewhere into the future or we're trying to get somewhere in the past. And it's I don't know why our brains have such a hard time being in the now. And from everything I've started to understand, the only moment of eternity that we actually have is the present moment, is right here, right now. And so eternity is actually happening right now, right? But we're all like off like, oh, well, someday I'll get to the celestial kingdom. Mm. And I'm worried about this thing that's so far off that I'm missing out on God's perfection of the current moment. So do you have any tips or pointers? Um, how do you recommend just coming back into the present moment and being with God's perfection that feels really messy, you know that muddy water how do you how do you love the muddy water
2: <laughs> well it's it's just another way I think of describing that that same work of either forgiving things what they are and what they need. Uh, or of just fulfilling the commandment to love, right? Because as always, uh, to love someone else is, is to be there, to be present with them, right? To to see them as they are, to love them as they are, to give them what they need. You can't do any of that if you can't show up in the presence. Though we are, as sinners, masters of distraction. Uh, and we are, as sinners, embedded in a Technologically empowered world of sin, right? uh Empowered to be distracted in a way that that we never have been before in the in the history of the planet. Um, we face some big hurdles uh, that I think we have to be very intentional about. Think about the the nature and structure of our lives, of of how we spend our time, of of where we direct it, of what we give it to uh in order to make sure that we don't we don't spend our lives in this profound state of distraction regretting the past and worrying about the future right and instead being as jesus himself outlines for like 20 verses in the middle of the sermon on the Mount, we have to instead be like the lilies of the field who plant their roots and show up and just are what they are and can love what they see uh Tomorrow will be either be evil enough for tomorrow, Jesus. Jesus says, worry about <laughs> worry about what's going on right here and now today, like the lilies of the field. Uh, you can't add anything uh, one way to the past or to the future, right It's about it's about showing up here and now, and that's that's the work, right? to love to forgive, to be present, to let go of my expectations, to let go of my fears and worries, and hand them over to God so that I can pay attention. And that's uh, that's hard work that's the substance of a religious life, but it's way, way better work than the kind of work that's impossible to do, which is saving myself.
1: Yeah, that scripture, it's so profound, you know, Um, and and at the same time, so beautiful. And I don't know at what point we humans decided that we, I, I don't, I've tried to put this into words so many times, like, What if our progression, what if like so many people in today's world are out chasing something, they're chasing their purpose or they're, they're trying to find themselves or, and it's like, well, if you would just come home to the present moment, you'd find yourself because you're here, (laughs) you know, the place you could be. Yeah. I don't know. It's so interesting. And that scripture is so, so profound. And I think it invites us into a whole new level of faith really trusting that we are so much more important so much more loved by God I don't know if more loved he probably loves the lilies just as he loved much as he loves us because they're so intricately and beautifully created right yeah what what takes
2: more trust than the idea that right now is enough yeah what would take more trust and faith from me than to trust God that right now is enough
1: Yeah. And get like, it's the monkey brain, right? I remember I this is always my example. I my husband works nights, he works late. But then he also like, oftentimes gets in things and has to stay later than normal or whatever. And he when he's not home on time, my brain's first initial reaction, right is to write the whole story about how he's dead on the side of the road. And what am I gonna do? And I'm gonna be on my own. And like, just our brains are just silly. But I've learned, right, to be like, okay, hold on. The last 999 times that this has happened, the truth is that he walks in the door late. So chances are he's going to walk in the door here in just a few minutes and life is going to carry on, right? And so I just think it's such an interesting thing to navigate And I think that this is another way that we can clothe ourselves in Christ. He says in the scriptures, look unto me in every thought, in every thought. And I will never forget, actually, in February of this year, I went to Mexico all by myself. (laughs) (laughs) It was planned and it was beautiful, Um, but I have never wanted to skydive in my whole life, but I feel like Christ literally invited me to skydive because in, in your, I know it's, I know people are like, really? like I would would turn that invitation
2: down. Thank you there, Jesus. (laughs) Oh,
1: I said, yes. (laughs) And I learned incredible things. I learned so many incredible things. I actually chose not to tell my husband that I was doing it because I knew that it was a journey between me and my savior. And it had to be between just he and I, Mm -hmm. and, um, I learned a lot of things. I learned that even if I died, I would still be able to communicate with the people that I loved. Like I really learned that love knows no bounds. And I learned how to look fear in the face and come back to Jesus. And I learned how to know that even if I physically died, it would be okay. And I think that each one of us, I think you talked about this in the book somewhere, there is a death that we have to face. And oftentimes it's not the physical death, but it is a death of the ego or the natural self, whatever. There is something in us that has to die in order for us to be made alive in Christ.
2: That's... (laughs) That's a beautiful experience. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah, it was It was so profound and so beautiful. Even, even I got in the plane and the guy who did all my photography and stuff, his name was Christian. <laughs> <laughs> all the little synchronicities that lined up. But what would you say, what is that piece that has to be let go of and released and has to die? in order for us to truly put on our savior and partner with him to be made alive.
2: You got to jump out of the plane. Uh, Yeah. Why don't you you go
1: skydiving? You got
2: to trust the, you got to trust the parachute. Uh, I mean, another way to say this, of course, uh, which I, I would hope is just, just another version of the same thing is, is to say that we have to stop trying to be in charge of our own lives, right? We have to let God be God. We have to let God be in charge of our lives. We have to put ourselves into his hands, right? In life and death and good or bad, richer or for poorer, right? Whatever comes. We have to put our faith in him that he is for us uh, and that there is good in it and there is good for us to give, even if it's not the good that we wanted to give and even if the good that we're given is not the good that we wanted, right but that's that's the work turn your turn your life over. Stop living my life and 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 live his right take his name, give up mine that's that's the work all day every day,
1: yeah. in the skydiving world, they say take the toggles, Jesus.
2: take the toggles, Jesus. yeah, like a- <laughs>
1: <laughs> you take the toggles jesus jesus take the wheel
2: that's
1: right right yeah. it's, it's that word i think it's that word surrender
2: yeah we don't like it we're sinners
1: no <laughs> <laughs> well and for whatever reason i don't know why we don't trust that this loving being would would give us what is good and what is needed and I think for me, um, I have to recognize that like my soul's deepest desires are different than maybe my temporary impatient, <laughs> I want this right now desire, right? Yes. And when I can remember that I have a soul that utters, it's Romans eight twenty six, maybe that the soul utters prayers. That we don't even know how to express ourselves. We don't know how to pray ourselves, though they're not the words in Romans, but something along those mm-hmm. lines. Yeah,
2: groanings that cannot be uttered. Yes.
1: Yes, right. And so can I trust that my my deepest desires and my my divine soul is working to co-create with God oh. in the midst of this super messy, messy middle.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's right. In our Our deepest desire is love, but not to be loved. That's wrong. Our deepest desire is to love. uh, And that's the work.
1: That's beautiful. I know for me in my own life, there was like this middle step, though, that I had to learn how to receive the love. I had to learn how to be loved in order to then step into a greater experience of being able to give love yeah because if i i don't for a long time i didn't feel loved if i'm honest
2: (laughs) well you have to love yourself right yeah
1: yeah well and the scripture even said so right love your neighbor as As yourself. yourself it's it's assumed i still remember one of my biggest mom wins i went on this whole journey and had a coach who challenged me to 30 days of love notes to myself and the first time she said it, I'm sure my eyes bugged out of my head. And I was like, sounds impossible. <laughs> God shows me all the time that anything is possible. But yeah. I took her to heart and I started writing love notes. And I probably wrote a love letter to myself for almost a full year. But what I loved is that because of who I was being in the world, my little person wanted to be like me, right? Isn't that what our kids want is to be like their parents and Mm -hmm. so I still have somewhere I don't know where it is but I still have somewhere for very first I think she was five her very first love note to herself and in the beginning it even just said I L M because that was all that she knew how to write but she knew that it meant I love me Mm -hmm. and I think that there's a dance to be done between loving ourselves and learning how to receive And for me, loving myself is really just about learning how to receive God's divine love that is always accessible and available, always given. Uh, It's me just stepping into and receiving that. And then as I receive that and I'm filled with that, it just pours out of me.
2: Yeah, even, even there, right? The work of writing yourself love notes. That's you doing the work of love. I mean, you're, you're receiving it too, but really the magic I think happens in that you're, you're doing it. You're loving. Um, and that's the real, that's the real, that participation I think is, is really the crux of it ultimately.
1: Absolutely. Um, well, this has just been a beautiful conversation. Thank you so, so, so much for joining me today. Um, Do you have the book handy? I would love for you to read just the very, and maybe you know it. I don't know if you know it word for word, but if I remember right, at some point you got to listen to, what is the man's name? Robinson. What's his first name that wrote? Yeah. Yeah, And you gave a speech at something that he was at or that was honoring him. But then later you got to hear from him again. Uh-huh. And at the very end of your book, you share his analogy of grace, and I would love for you to read that for us if you've got it.
2: Yeah, it's over here.
1: Okay, <laughs> I give you permission to go grab it.
2: You want the last full paragraph, really? But do you? What would you like? Starting where?
1: Uh, I think it. What What did you say? How does it start?
2: Um, where did, Where would you like? What paragraph? How does it begin? So
1: I I don't have it in the, I just have everything you'll ever need to know about grace can be learned in the following way. Okay.
2: I'll just give you that whole last paragraph here. Perfect. Stephen Robinson concluded by confessing that he didn't especially love theology. Where theology always wanted definitions, he much preferred analogies. Everything you'll ever need to know about grace, he said, can be learned in the following way. Hold the baby in your arms, perhaps while the family is out, perhaps in a chair, perhaps your own son or daughter. What do you feel? An absolute love. What has the baby done to deserve your love? Nothing. What would you sacrifice for that baby? Everything. This is God. This, Robinson said, is grace
1: doesn't that sum it up <laughs> if we could all see ourselves and everyone else in the world right as those those sweet babies that we do we absolutely love them with our whole our whole everything and yet they've done nothing nothing to deserve it yeah that's gone. yeah absolutely thank you so so much um I can't wait to share your thoughts with the world. So thanks for joining me today. I'm
2: grateful for the invitation. Good work.
0: Well, my friend, that's a wrap. From the depths of my heart, I am so grateful for Adam's willingness to join me for this profound conversation around grace. It was a conversation that lit me up and still has me thinking. I encourage you to take some time to chew on and really digest what has been discussed today. Isn't this conversation delicious? My friend, as we move into a season of resolutions, goals, and intentions, I hope that more grace will be part of your focus moving into 2023. If, like me, you too have fallen in love with the intentions found within the magical mantra of I accept grace, and would like to join a group of like-minded souls working together to move the knowledge of these concepts, principles, and ideas from our heads to our hearts, more information will be coming mid-January on how to join the Trusting Divinity community that's kicking off February 2023 with the intention of identity. Knowing who God is and who you really are makes all the difference. In Adam's words, let's stop mistaking ourselves for someone who doesn't exist. My friend, from the sandy beaches of Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, I wish you a miraculous new year. May your eyes see clearly the hand of the Lord in the finite details of your daily life. May your ears hear the goodness of the Lord reverberating in each beat of your heart. May your heart be open to experiencing the reality that with God, all things are possible. All my love, Ms. Divinity. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so that you'll be notified when new episodes become available. Because I have been gifted a month in Mexico with the people I love most, I am choosing intentionally to take the next week or so off. My heart desires to bask in this gift and to give my people the gift of presence. Look for season two of the Trusting Divinity podcast to be released mid January as we dive into the 12 month invitation of accepting grace. Last but not least, before you go, I would love your help. Would you be willing to help me share, share, share? The Grand Adventures of Trusting Divinity. If you have had a friend, a family member, or a neighbor come to mind as you have listened to today's episode, please pass it along. Maybe, just maybe, they too could benefit from this profound message of grace being God's original plan. And even more, I would love to connect with and hear from you. What stood out to you in today's episode? What was your biggest aha and takeaway? You can send an email to Wendy with a Y at trustingdivinity.com or simply find me in the world of social media. My handle is TrustingDivinity. Share with me your insights. Which piece of today's episode touched your heart in a profound way? I would be honored to hold space for your dreams and hear how you will personalize and put into practice His grace. Hey there, thanks for listening. If you have already accepted my invitation and are claiming me as your friend, I want to thank you in advance for posting a raving review on your favorite podcast platform. If by chance you are still a little unsure about this blossoming friendship, I invite you to simply stick around and keep listening.